Now we're going to get into the somewhat more complicated part, which is reading the vent part two on lung injury. So the main thing that you are trying to establish reading the vent, the sort of overarching thing that's most important is the issue of recruitment, specifically alveolar recruitment. So let's go back and remember from Vents 101. If you have hypoxemic respiratory failure, which sometimes turns hypoxic, but you have an oxygenation problem, that's usually for one of a couple reasons. You may have something other than air filling the alveoli. You may have an alveolar pulmonary capillary membrane problem. Um, but alveolar collapse is a very important reason. It is also why often people with oxygenation also end up with a problem that beach ball lungs turn into basketball lungs because all three of those things decrease their lung compliance. And this is why we talk about ARDS lungs, injured lungs, as baby lungs. Because in a lot of cases, not all, but in a lot of cases, one of your biggest problems is that a large percentage of your alveoli are derecruited. And so you're really only ventilating, I don't know, two-thirds, a half of your alveoli that are seeing that tidal volume that you're delivering it. That's why we call them baby lungs, because all those alveoli are derecruited. So what is our solution here? Well, if we want to do alveolar recruitment, we give them more PEEP, right? And by giving them more PEEP, we try and open up those alveoli that are collapsed. Voila, happy lungs, better oxygenation, wonderful thing. The other thing we are accomplishing with giving them more PEEP is preventing atelectotrauma. So remember, with atelectotrauma, you know, there's volume trauma that you can give them, but there's atelectotrauma, which is pretty important. It's when you're not giving enough PEEP is often, but not always the problem, and the alveoli pop open during inspiration, then flop shut during expiration, then pop open, pop shut. Now, this is a problem because if you can imagine those little delicate alveolar membranes popping open, popping shut, you know, 20 breaths a minute, 60 minutes an hour, 24 hours a day, that is a lot of mechanical stress on those poor delicate little alveoli. And that itself can worsen lung injury. And remember, the whole point of intubating these patients was to let the lungs rest and heal. If we are taking the lungs and flogging them with the ventilator, it's functionally equivalent to getting some crutches and hitting your ankle with them repeatedly. It is obvious or should be obvious that, you know, I'm not an orthopedist, but even I know that that's a not useful way to heal your ankle. Similarly, this not helping your lungs heal, it's making them worse. So we don't want to do that. Um, but there's a little bit more nuance here to think about. And this is where we sort of break off and get a little more complex than what we talked about in Vents 101. I'm sure you've all heard the balloon analogy for alveoli. That, or just experienced the blowing up birthday balloons for parties or something. It's been a minute since I did that, but like, it's true. You have your balloon. It's deflated. It takes a lot of pressure to pop it open. It takes less pressure once it's open to inflate it further or keep it open, right? Pressure it takes to pop it open is different than the pressure it takes once it's open, which is less than what it took to pop it open. Now, alveoli are more or less like little balloons, just not cool colors. You have 
your collapsed alveoli, your atelectatic alveoli, they are de-recruited. They're all collapsed, right? So the airway opening pressure is the pressure at which that alveoli will pop open. And it's important to understand that that pressure is different than the peep. It is different and higher than the pressure that you actually need to keep that alveoli open once you've popped it open. This is why when we talk about recruitment maneuvers, we do a recruitment maneuver and we use really high pressures that we'd never use for a peep. A recruitment maneuver will do like 30 for 30 seconds right? It's because the airway opening pressures are much higher than the peep. We don't do like peep at 30 for 30 seconds and then just keep going, just keep having the peep at 30 usually. We don't do that, right? Um, and this is why. Now, recognizing this, um, you can still end up with a problem here. And this is the issue of recruitment, derecruitment, adelected trauma. And here's how this goes. Um, you start with derecruitment, either because, you know, they have bad lung injury and they're derecruited because all of the reasons that happens in bad lung injury. You have a lot of actolectasis, you got baby lungs. So they have derecruitment. Then you do some kind of recruitment maneuver. Often, honestly, you know, this can involve bagging them with a peep valve after you intubate them. Um, the data on recruitment maneuvers in ARDS is complicated. And if you do them super aggressively, it's probably bad, but you try and do some kind of recruitment. And sometimes that just involves initially putting them on a very high peep. Then you pop the alveoli open. Yay. Alveoli recruited. Wonderful. And then, you know, the peep you need, what you need, the pressures you need for recruitment maintenance in order to prevent that happening, in order to prevent derecruitment, are lower than the airway opening pressure. How much lower is a excellent question that is not completely straightforward that we'll talk about momentarily. Because if you choose the wrong peep, if you figured out, okay, we got everything open, we recruited everybody, we figured out airway opening pressure, popped open lovely, but then you set the wrong peep, you're not really maintaining it. Because you know the peep is going to be less than the airway opening pressure, but you don't know how much less. And then if you don't get it right, then you have derecruitment that recurs. Or if you disconnect the patient to the ventilator, their airway pressures go to zero, like you're moving from the ED to the ICU just as an example, derecruitment recurs and you have to start all over again. That's why I do the clamp switch technique. I also do it when I'm bagging. So what do we do? Like, what is the first thing the RT does if a patient is profoundly hypoxic on the vent? They'll take them off the vent and start bagging them, right? That is often a very useful thing to do. Um, I will often do it a little thoughtfully, a little carefully to make sure I don't give them a pneumo, but I'll often do that to sort of recruit them up a little bit. The problem with that is that when you then, you're bagging them, you're recruiting, the sat gets better, yay, you then disconnect the circuit again, the airway pressures go to zero, and you lose all that lovely recruitment that you just obtained. So that is kind of a pointless exercise, exercise in futility. Um, however, there is one easy way to make it not an exercise in futility, which is you take the patient off the vent, you bag them up, then you get a chest tube clamp or maybe a Kelly wrapped in tape, you then clamp the tube, you then take off the bag while the tube is still clamped, you reconnect them to the vent, then you unclamp the tube. Do not forget to do that last part, please. Um, 
That way you maintain all of that recruitment because you don't let the airway pressures drop to zero when you disconnect them. I do that frequently in patients. I do it sometimes in obese patients. If they're morbidly obese, they tend to de-recruit quickly. And I'll do it in these lung injury patients too if I need to. So that is often a cycle we end up in. And we end up in this cycle of we kind of figure out the airway opening pressure kind of, but we don't always know what it is. We don't always know what the right peep is. Um, I start often at this point, if I'm like, I'm not sure where I am here, um, I will start looking at my pressure volume waveforms, um, my pressure volume loops. Um, the lungs, unlike the pressure volume waveforms in the heart, um, have a property called hysteresis, um, which is a very fancy way of saying that the curve on the way up looks different than the curve on the way down. And so the curve, the way that curve looks during inhalation is different than the way the curve looks during exhalation. So you start in the curve going up, that's inhalation, then going down, that's exhalation. Um, specifically, you know, these can tell you a lot, but I specifically use them for just a couple things. And one of them is to figure out where am I kind of headed with my airway opening pressure? Because I don't want to cause them barotrauma. I don't want to give them really a pneumothorax. You know, I don't want to do super aggressive recruitment maneuvers. I just kind of want to do ballpark enough to recruit them and not a whole lot more than that if I don't have to. So here's the useful thing about this curve. You're looking at this curve on the upward, on the inhalation phase of the curve. You will note that there is an inflection point. That inflection point, what is happening is before that inflection point, the curve is pretty flat. What does that mean? What that means is that you are increasing the pressure, but your volume's not changing, right? So if you're increasing the pressure and your volume's not really changing, then that means that you haven't opened up alveoli. But then you open up some alveoli and all of a sudden, now that they pop open, now as you increase the pressure, now your volume gets way bigger. The inflection point at which the curve goes from flat to steep, the inflection point at which a change in pressure, an increase in pressure, results in an increase in volume in a sort of linear-ish way, that inflection point is your airway opening pressure. And you sort of be like, okay, right about there. Now, sometimes it can be a little dicey to estimate it because you're kind of ballparking it. And this is why, you know, I don't take it necessarily literally. Like a lot of the other numbers on event, to make them physiologically perfectly accurate, you have to go through some very complex gymnastics that you were just not going to go through at the bedside on a normal day. So I just use this to ballpark to get a sense of oh, am I being way too aggressive? Or maybe I'm just not being aggressive enough. Maybe I need to try something else. That's what I'm thinking. Now, we talked about how we're looking for the airway opening pressure. Um, and however, the airway opening pressure is going to be higher than the PEEP we need to keep the airways open. So we can kind of be like, okay, airway opening pressure, man. All right, ballpark-ish. Now we get to the really tough question, which is often, once you understand some basic management, this is often the hardest question, which is, what is the optimal PEEP for this patient? This can be a very challenging question. I feel like, I mean, maybe other intensivists don't have trouble with it, but I find it very challenging. I think most people, though, find it a little bit challenging because it's not necessarily obvious. The patient doesn't like hold up a sign being like, I like peep of eight. 
If only they did. Here's the deal. This is the concept with trying to find the optimal peep. Let's say you have some injured lungs. You have some basketball lungs. Now, ideally, once you sort of recruit things, there is some pressure. You're increasing the peep. There is some pressure at which the peep maintains your alveolar recruitment, and you make your basketball lungs more like beach ball lungs. Wonderful. If you are finding your peep that takes your basketball lungs and turns them into more beach ball-y lungs, fantastic. That is a good peep. That is your happy place. Now, how do you know if you've overshot? Like, how do you know if, okay, at a peep of 12, we have good recruitment, but do I need a peep of 14? Like, how do you know how low to go? Because you don't want to give them more peep than they need, necessarily. In fact, it can cause you problems. Why? Well, let's say you've now maximally recruited the lungs. They're as recruited as they're going to get. Either they're all happy and recruited, or there's a bunch of areas of lung that are just not really recruitable. They're socked in pneumonia, whatever it is. You're just not going to recruit them. You just write them off. We now have more beach ball lungs, right? But what if we don't know? Because unfortunately, we can't like peer into their lungs and be like, hello, alveoli, how many of you raise your hand if you're recruited? It's not going to work. So we don't necessarily know that, let's say, a peep of eight has maximally recruited the patient. So we're like, maybe a peep of 10. I don't know. Let's try. Let's try going up because maybe, you know, they're still hypoxic. All right, let's try going up. So what happens now if we're maximally recruited and we keep increasing the peep? What is now going to happen? We can't recruit more alveoli because if you can, even though your peep is higher, that pressure is higher, your compliance is actually better because you're opening up more alveoli. So to a point, increasing the peep will actually improve your compliance because overall lung recruitment improves your compliance. If, however, you're as recruited as you're going to get and you give them more peep, all you are now doing is over-distending the alveoli. You're not popping anything else open. You're just taking the nice alveoli that are in a happy place, but you're forcing more pressure into them and you're over-distending them. What is over-distending them does? Well, um, imagine you have, oh, you know, say a balloon, um, just as a, you know, example. Have you ever had the situation where you were blowing up a balloon, you popped it open, fantastic, you keep putting air into it, it's in a nice happy balloon shape, but then you maybe get a little overzealous or like your small niece or nephew is like, no, 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 bigger, fine, and you keep pushing air into it. What is going to happen eventually? Well, the pressure is going to get higher, 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 and eventually the balloon will probably pop and have the balloon equivalent of a pneumothorax, um, but it's going to get higher, higher, higher pressures. You are over-distending the alveoli. You are stretching them. So if you overshoot the peep, you now are going backwards. You're taking your nice beach ball lungs that started out as basketball lungs. You got the right peep. They're beach ball-y, wonderful, but then you kept going and you overshot. Now you've turned them back into basketball lungs, not out of de-recruitment, but out of over-distension. So that's all very well and good, how on earth are you supposed to figure out what is that perfect peep? Um, I wish I could tell you that I had a perfect way to be like like eight and three quarters. Uh, I do not. Um, the event won't totally do that for you. You're ballparking. How are you going to ballpark? There's sort of two things that I use to ballpark this number. Um, the first one is 
I will do a peep titration using something called the driving pressure. So here's how this works. You know what your peep is. Let's say um, I usually start high when I'm doing this. Let's say we start at a peep of, I don't know, 16. We're on a peep of 16. You know, we think that we're recruited. We did our airway opening pressure. We sort of have a sense that we're above our airway opening pressure. We went up to that. Now we ended up on a peep of 16. We just chose that number. All right. What I'm going to do now to try and figure out, am I overshooting? Am I undershooting? I'm going to start with another inspiratory hold. As you may be noticing, this button is very useful in multiple ways. Do an inspiratory hold. When I do that, I'm going to get a plateau pressure, right? Okay. I get this plateau pressure. Now, what I do is I use my plateau pressure minus my peep. That number right here is what's called your driving pressure. So if my plateau pressure is 25 and my peep is 5, my driving pressure is 20, right? So it's your plateau pressure minus your peep. That's called the driving pressure. Now, the interesting thing about the driving pressure is that it may actually be one of the more important targets in terms of ARDS. Um, you know, there's some interesting studies and there's some equivocal studies on this, but when people went back and looked at the ARDS literature, looked at all the ARDSnet stuff, put it all together over years and years and years, and took a step back and was like, what if we look at this a different way? One of the trends that came out of it was that. Initially looking at the ARDS literature, we were like, it's all about low tidal volume ventilation. That is the important thing. We want to keep the tidal volumes low, six to eight cc's per kilo. We don't want the plateau pressures to be much over 30. That's what's making the difference. That's our targets. We said our targets are tidal volumes of six to eight cc's per kilo, targets of plateau pressures under 30. Great. We identified those targets. As we said at the very beginning in the prelude part of this lecture, the problem is sometimes we don't know what the right target is. And sometimes what we think is the right target turns out really not to be. Uh, a great example is CVP and volume responsiveness. For a long time, we used CVP as a target to tell us that the goal was being met. The goal was to give the patient the right amount of fluid to make them better. We were using CVP as a number to help us target that goal. It turns out that CVP and fluid responsiveness have absolutely nothing to do with each other. And so it was functionally like deciding how many units to transfuse somebody based on the color of their eyes. Green-eyed people get two units. Brown-eyed people get seven. That would clearly not make any sense. And that's what happens when your target does not actually facilitate getting to your goal. Now, we do this a lot in medicine because we like numbers. We like targets. It makes us feel like we're doing something and getting somewhere in the moment. Targets are things you can fix in the next, you know, couple hours. Bigger picture goals in the ICU patients, they take a while. You know, my patient's not going to get better right away, but I can make the blood pressure pretty right away. I can make the oxygen pretty right away. I can make the plateau pressure pretty right away. So you got to be very careful thinking about your targets. And when ARDS, as I said, the initial analysis of the data said that like you target tidal volume and you target, you know, not having your plateaus too high. But when you went back and looked at the data and reassessed it, 
Actually, there was a very interesting trend. It seemed that probably, in fact, the most important target, at least on the post-hoc analysis, the most important target was actually probably the driving pressure. And a driving pressure somewhere, you know, 14 or less is pretty good. That's the idea with the driving pressure. And it seemed like the driving pressure was actually maybe more important than maybe any of the other targets that we're using in ARDS. Now, again, this is a little complicated when you get into the nitty gritty, but the concept is good. So here's what I'll do when I'm trying to do this kind of peep titration. I'll start with a higher pressure. I am hoping that I sort of have recruited a decent amount of lung. I start with like a higher peep. Let's say I start with a peep of 16. So I change, I have my peep at 16. I do an inspiratory hold. I get my plateau pressure. On a peep of, let's make it 15 just to make math easier for me because I'm a little tired post night shift, honestly, and I can't do math right this second. Um, so we'll just say peep of 15. So we have a peep of 15. We do a plateau pressure. We find that on a peep of 15, our plateau pressure is 40. So that's not so good. That's not awesome. Um, right? Because like now our driving pressure is actually pretty high. Our driving pressure is 40 minus 15. Our driving pressure is bad. It's like 35. It's like 25. Not good. Much higher than the sort of 14, 15 we want. Okay. Now I'm going to walk it down. How much you walk it down is a little bit under debate. Um, Personally, I often walk it down kind of by four. So I'll go, you know, four or five. Let's just say for argument's sake, I go from 15 to 10. Now I check another plateau pressure. Then I'm like, okay, on 10 of peep, my plateau pressure now is 30. Okay, so 10 of peep plateau pressure is 30. That means my driving pressure is 20. Now I'm going to go down to five of peep. Oh, look at that. On five of peep, my plateau pressure is like, oh, you know, 15. Okay, 15 minus five, my driving pressure is 10. Nice, that's a good number. So you sort of do this peep titration to sort of help you eyeball more or less where you want this peep. There's a big caveat here. The big caveat is the following. With peeps, you can actually eventually recruit some lung with peeps. But unlike a recruitment maneuver, it takes some time. So especially if you think that you've been on the low end, you think that they have a ton of lung that remains de-recruited, but you don't want to do a recruitment maneuver. There's some reason you can't. They're unstable. Whatever it is, if you come up on the peep, you don't know what's happening here. Because you don't know if actually eventually you'll recruit some more lung here. It just takes time and you have to be patient. And eventually their driving pressure will actually be better on that higher peep. But in the short term, it'll be worse. Because if you go up on the peep and it's not quite enough to immediately recruit a bunch of lung, you've now just overextended the alveoli that are already recruited. So it's going to look like your driving pressure is actually bad on that peep. And it's unclear exactly how long it takes for a higher peep to recruit more lung. But again, patience. We're not talking minutes. We're probably talking hours. So 
if I'm kind of equivocal, I'll put them on a peep, sometimes a higher peep, if the driving pressure is sort of, eh, after I look at that trend and I look at, I just like write down my little graph of things with the, you know, the plateau, the peep, the driving pressure, and I look, where is my optimal driving pressure? And if I'm a little unclear, if it's equivocal, if I'm like, ah, I'm not really, eh, sometimes I'll go with the higher peep, come back and reassess them in a couple hours and kind of see where they're at. Um, the other number that I use to do this is the static compliance. Remember, we talked about how during an inspiratory hold maneuver, you also get the static compliance, right? And so, you know, this is just another way of answering the same question. You are asking, at what peep am I improving my compliance by recruiting more alveoli? Nice beach ball lungs. But at what peep am I turning my beach ball lungs into basketball lungs by over-distending them? And the static compliance helps you. And I like that number because, you know, unlike the sort of plateau pressure was just a pressure, um, static compliance, it's representing the curve. It's the slope of the pressure volume curve of your lungs. Remember back to those slides where we looked at that, right? That's what your static compliance is doing. So that can be a very useful number, but it's subject to the same problems insofar as if you give more PEEP and you're not quite enough, you haven't quite recruited enough alveoli with it yet, so you're kind of temporarily over-distending, it's a little hard to tell. Now, there's one other thing that I use to help me figure this out and wade through these numbers, which is if I'm trying to figure out if I'm over-distending the alveoli, I go back to my pressure volume curve. So you remember how the old one looked, right? We had the airway opening pressure, which is that inflection point. But now what I'm looking for, now I'm looking for over-distension. So now I look at a different part of the curve. And note how this part of the curve is different than our previous one, right there. That is called beacon. What is happening in this part of the curve? Well, at this part of the curve, you'll notice that it flattens off, right? So the bottom of the curve, you have not much change in volume for a change in pressure, right? Then you get to the inflection point. Now you've reached the airway opening pressure. Now you go up more on the pressure, your volume goes up. Fantastic. But look what happens when they start beaking. What that is telling us is that part flattens out. What that's saying is that you have now reached a point where you're giving more pressure, but you're not getting a change in volume, right? You're going up on your pressure, but you're not getting a change in volume. That may be telling you that you're over-distended because that's telling you that you give more pressure. It's not opening up more alveoli because it's not giving you more volume. You're probably over-distending them. And so when I see this, I become worried that my peep is too high. I'm over-distending them. Again, I don't know if maybe I just need to slowly recruit them and give them time. But, you know, if I see this, if I'm on, you know, I settled on a peep of 14, I was like, maybe I just need to give it a minute. But then I come back, you know, an hour, maybe two later, and I'm still seeing this. I'm like, okay, I may be overdoing it. Let me back off. So I come down to a peep of 10. I look at this again. And then I sort of track, like, when do I think I'm overdistending them? So that's another metric. You know, what should be clear to you by now is that Titrating your peep, finding the optimal peep is complicated. It's tricky. And again, I wish there was one number that could be like, for sure, that one, if it's, you know, greater than 7.5, do this. If it's less than 6.2, do this. Um, 
like so many things, that's not how it works. But like so many other things, taking all of these data points, being thoughtful about them, understanding the test characteristics, putting them all together can help you ultimately get to the point you want to work with the vent, learn the patient's lungs, and try and figure out more or less where the PEEP happy place is for your patient. 